right, so we're going through a sermon series. We're going through a sermon series looking at the cultural uh, influences, the cultural liturgies I've been talking about, practices, habits, right? Those things that surround us all the time that we're not even aware are shaping us, shaping our desires, shaping our expectations, what we think is normal, appropriate, versus the different messages we often get from the gospel, from Scripture, from the life of Jesus, it makes it really hard to be Christian in a world that's constantly shaping us in the other direction, right? So that's what we've been talking about. We're going to continue. And we're going to, I want to think a little bit about forgiveness. To start, though, I, I'm going to give you like 30 seconds. And I want you to call to your mind the face of someone for whom you probably need to forgive. A person for whom you hold some bitterness towards or anger, that person might be yourself. Forgiving yourself is very real. It might be a coworker, a spouse, family member, a neighbor. Who is it that you need to forgive? So we're going to breathe a little bit. We're just going to give you some silence and maybe the Holy Spirit will bring someone to mind. I want you to hold that person in your mind as I, I speak. So two weeks ago, I talked about the call of the Gospels to draw our circle of responsibility wider. We are responsible for each other, not just for ourselves or for our immediate family. But of course, that means our responsibilities are too daunting for us. We'll never be able to check all the boxes and do all the things that are needed, right? Which requires us to, in some ways, live in grace all the time. We're just not going to be enough. Things will get left undone. The problems of the world are too complicated, too large for us to resolve. We can try. We can work on it. We should. But we're ultimately not going to be enough. We're going to fail a lot. Last week I talked about being able to confess that. Being able to just say it out loud is freeing. It's liberating. Being able to say, I repent of the things I've done wrong. I can confess and repent and say I'm not enough and I'm going to make mistakes, and I'm going to need grace. The last component of that, of confession repentance, is forgiveness, right? That is the, the logical next step, and so that's what I want to talk about today, is this idea of forgiveness. But, you know, culture is not about forgiveness. My heart, naturally, is not really about forgiveness. Our culture is obsessed with Revenge. Our culture is obsessed with retribution. We love it. It's why almost every... Like, think about... Quentin Tarantino's made a living, the film director, on just revenge movies. Like, every movie he has is just a revenge fantasy. I don't know if you know this. I'm going to inspire some of you to fall further away from God, I guess, right? So, like, he did Django Unchained, and it's literally a revenge fantasy about what if slaves could get revenge on their slave owners. That's the whole movie. He did a whole movie about what if Jewish people could get revenge on Nazis. Like the whole movie just... He did the most recent one is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and it's what if there could be revenge on the Manson gang. 
And like literally there are these incredibly violent films, Kill Bill 1 and 2, it's all revenge. The John Wick trilogy is all about revenge for a dog that gets killed. <laughs> I mean, we love it! I remember, I remember going when we were dating, my wife and I, we went to see Braveheart, which is a great movie. And it's so violent from the very beginning, right? And so we're like sitting there and she's kind of uncomfortable. We were with a group of people. And at one point she's like, maybe I'm going to leave, I don't know. And then William Wallace's wife is killed by those Brits. And she was like, she sits right back down. She's like, oh no, I'm sitting down. I'm gonna, they got to get their comeuppance. And like literally she's cheering. She had like a bloodlust like you've never seen for the next two hours. Like, yes! Like all she wanted to see was the, the British people get their comeuppance, right? We want this. It's a, like a natural sort of human thing. You know, TJ, his favorite line, right? It's like, yes, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. But wouldn't you like a little help? Right? That's teaching. That, that, I get that. That makes sense to my heart, right? There's a, we want to see people get what they deserve. And so that desire, we find a way to justify it. We call it justice. We say, let's give people what they deserve. So our criminal justice system is predicated on figuring out, you committed this crime, well, what do you deserve? Do you deserve this much time in jail? Do you deserve a fine? What should you get for your wrong? Right? I'm going to suggest to you that the call of the gospel is radical. It really is challenging. It goes against our human nature. It calls us to like, rise above that. And it's, I, I'm going to argue, you might not agree, I'm going to argue that it calls us to ask a different question. Not what does someone deserve. That's not the right question. I think we're going to have to ask a different question. We're going to come back to that though. Okay. Uh, so the call to forgive is clear in the Bible, right? But I'll, I'll put up some scriptures anyway. We, this does not seem to be a choice. Like this is a call. God says we, we, we need to forgive one another, right? So you look at the Lord's Prayer, forgiving our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. By the way, that's a pretty dangerous thing to pray. Think about the logic. Forgive me, Lord, the way I've forgiven other people. I'm like, oh, actually, why don't you forgive me better than the way I forgive other people? Right? If God forgives me the way I forgive other people, I might not get such great forgiveness. So there is a sense that there's a call, right? Or when the disciples come to Jesus, Peter specifically, and says, how many times do I have to forgive my neighbor, my brother, my sister in Christ, who's hurt me seven times? And Jesus is like, seven times 70. Dang it. I was really hoping it was only seven. Um, Jesus doesn't just say to forgive. As you know, Jesus actively forgives. One of my favorite images of the resurrected Christ is Peter who has denied Jesus three times, turned his back in the midst of fear, has acted like a coward, and Jesus goes right to him, says, Peter, right? Do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Take care of my lambs. And three times Jesus asks Peter, and it's like this forgiveness for the three denials. And there's this reconciliation. I would submit to you that God doesn't ask us to forgive because it's just some hard commandment that we have to fulfill. Like, I mean, forgiveness stinks, but God says to do it. I would submit to you, God says to forgive because it's a gift to you when you forgive. You actually get 
set free the weight off your shoulders. You become emotionally and spiritually liberated when you forgive. This person no longer controls you. Your pain and bitterness no longer controls you. And it's true even if you're sitting here and well, who you need to forgive is you. You've got to learn how to accept God's forgiveness. We read in Psalms, Mark read, God is not going to give us what we deserve, correct? I mean, literally the exact words. God will not give us what we deserve. Instead, God will provide grace and forgiveness and love. Can you receive that? Can you like feel God's love deeply like to your bones and know that you're loved and forgiven? You've got to forgive yourself because the degree to which you forgive yourself is the degree to which you will forgive other people. The grace you show yourself is the level of grace you will show other people. When you're hard on yourself, you are hard on other people. So we've got to learn how to soften ourselves and say, I accept God's forgiveness. He does not give us what we deserve. It's not the question God asks. So instead of asking the cultural question, what does this person deserve? Instead of asking the question our criminal justice system asks, what does this person deserve? God doesn't ask that. God asks, how can this person be redeemed? What would it take for this situation to be restored? For this person, this relationship to be transformed? That's the question. Forgiveness starts... When I, in my heart, can say what I want for the person that hurt me, what I want for the person that I can't get along with, is their ultimate redemption. That's what I want. That's when I know I've started the process. That doesn't mean forgiveness is done. It's a long process, right? You've got to be really patient with yourself. You're not just going to be able to go like... I forgive. It doesn't work. If the pain is deep, if it's ongoing, you can't just say, I forgive. It's not a choice. It's like grief. Forgiveness is like going through the stages of grief. You start when you can say, what I really want is redemption and restoration. That's what I want. And now I'm going to have to be really patient, just like with grief, to allow myself to go through the long process of forgiving. I think this makes sense when we think about our kids. I discipline my kids. There are consequences. I'm okay with consequences, right? Consequences matter. I give my kids consequences, but the goal is not, they should get what they deserve. My, my heart is not like, I'm going to give Sullivan his comeuppance, right? I put consequences in their lives because I don't want him to be a jerk. I want him to learn how to treat his sister well. I want him to be a hard worker in school. I put consequences and I discipline him because I want his ultimate redemption. I want him to grow and learn and become a better human being. That's why I'm doing it. This is why I think the heart of God is not that we don't get any consequences, but the ultimate goal is not to give us what we deserve. The goal is our redemption. <laughs> if you know me, you know I love some true crime. Gosh, I love me some true crime. Right now I'm listening to Dateline podcasts. Oh, all the way. And it's like Keith Morrison's voice, if you've ever listened to it, it's like, who killed her and why? It's like, it's like amazing. It's like I'm just immediately sucked in. Why? I have to know, Keith. <laughs> and inevitably, right, it's always about murder and mayhem and there's families involved and there's a trial involved. And there are some families of the victims for whom they are still so bitter. And I get it. 
I can't imagine if someone hurt one of my family members. It makes perfect sense to me. And they will just say things like, I hope this person is found guilty and spends the rest of their life rotting in prison. That's what I hope for them because I'll never get to hug my loved one again. And you can just hear the bitterness in their voice and it resonates with me. And I also can see how anger is eating them away. Like when I'm listening to it, I literally can feel like this person is being eaten by their bitterness. And even if the perpetrator gets the death penalty, even if the perpetrator is found guilty, it doesn't work. It's not like some magical elixir that just does away. Because that anger, that resentment, that bitterness doesn't hurt the perpetrator as much as it hurts you for holding on to it. But I hear other families when I watch Dateline. <laughs> it's my greatest teacher. And they're rarer, but it happens where they literally will be like, this person was a lost kid. They were messed up. I really hope they can learn from this. I really hope I can talk to them someday and extend to them forgiveness. And you can feel the peace. You can feel this like sense of emotional and spiritual peace. They've come to a place where what they really want is for even the perpetrator to find redemption, transformation, change, that they might learn and grow from this. That, I believe, is the call of the gospel. That is the radical call of Christ. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to come easy or cheap. It's like grief. I have to allow myself to go through the stages. But if our goal is to give people what they deserve, we'll never find it. If our goal is to come to a place of emotional and spiritual healing, where redemption and reconciliation is our ultimate goal, I think we can find that. I would suggest that the greatest forms of forgiveness are like watching a miracle. Like watching a miracle. Like this isn't humanly possible to forgive this way and yet people do it and God equips them and God can equip you. My last thing, so here's some of you are sitting in the audience and you're thinking to yourself, great, I get it, Joe. I get it, I should forgive. But how? Some of you are like, how? I've literally been trapped here for a long time and I don't know how to move forward. So I'm, I'm, I have no cure-all, but I'm going to give you two suggestions, things that might help. Here's, here's one thing that might help. Work to cultivate empathy, perspective-taking, for the person in your mind that you need to forgive. What does the world look like from their perspective? What does the world feel like from their perspective? I've shared this story before, but I'll share it again. This is the thing that helped me with my father, for whom I never had a good relationship, and it was very tense, and there was a lot of built-up hurt. When I began to separate from that, like that he wasn't the dad I needed, he, he wasn't capable of loving me the way I needed. When I stopped focusing on that and I started thinking about his own life, he was raised by a single mother in a time when very few people were. She put him in boarding school. Uh, she's one of the most terrifying people I was ever around, my grandma Margot. He had no father figure. He did not experience softness from his mom. He was doing the best he could with me. He didn't know. And because of that, he was distant from all of his children. How sad was that for him? He had to wake up every day and look in the mirror and think, I'm not connected to my kids. And then all of a sudden, that empathy for him 
allowed me to forgive. I saw him as a human being struggling, broken, lost, not evil. He wasn't evil anymore. He was a human being struggling and lost and broken. Can you empathize? Can you understand that people are messed up for all kinds of reasons and that that might soften you? The second thing that helped me was humility. I had to acknowledge all the ways I've hurt my children. I realized when I became a dad, it's really hard and there's no instruction manual. And that helped. And I realized all the ways I've hurt my wife. That, I've, that, I, that I'm going to fail the congregation. That I'm not going to be all that my students need from me at NNU. And once I recognize I need forgiveness too. I need forgiveness. That, hump, that humility allows me to grant it to other people. That's not a cure-all. This is just the start. How do you start the process of forgiving? Maybe we can empathize. We can humanize. This is what Jesus does from the cross. From the cross as he's being tortured. What does Jesus say about the crowd? Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. They're ignorant. Jesus doesn't say, forgive them, Lord, they're evil. Forgive them, Lord, they're horrible, they're wicked. Jesus recognizes this crowd doesn't get it. They're lost. They're in the dark. They're ignorant. If they knew, they wouldn't be doing this. Jesus humanizes them and allows the forgiveness to take place. So I think we can start there and we can humbly recognize our own need, which allows us to extend it. It's hard. It's a lifelong worth of work. But it's the call. And when it's achieved, there's a kind of freedom and a peace and a security and a love that does not exist when you hold on to your bitterness. So let's let it go together. Lord, we're grateful for the way which you forgive us. You set the model. You are the one who shows us in the person of Jesus, what forgiveness really looks like. You show us how to free ourselves from anger and resentment and bitterness that make us small and afraid and angry and insecure. And you say, you don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to live like that anymore. There is a different road that leads to peace and kindness and reconciliation. The road of forgiveness. Give us, Lord, the discernment, the wisdom to know, and the courage to follow where you would lead. Amen. If you would please stand for our closing song.